This podcast may contain adult content. Please use discretion when listening. Welcome to Heinous Hotels, a podcast about famous and infamous hotels. Find out historic and hysterical facts about your favorite travel destinations and even places you haven't heard of yet. Is your mom's favorite resort haunted? Was there an unsolved crime committed at your bucket list bed and breakfast? Did your favorite celebrity stay in the room that you're in right now? You'll have to listen to find out. Pack your bags and don't forget your passport. It's time to check in to Heinous Hotels. Hello and welcome back to Heinous Hotels. I'm your host, Jordan. This is episode three. This podcast is about historic, famous, and even infamous hotels. Most of the ones I cover you will probably have heard of before, but I also want to cover some lesser-known historic hotels. Maybe it's an old hotel that's still in use. Maybe the building used to be something else and was converted. Maybe it's a building that used to be a hotel, but now it's a museum or something else now. I'm going to talk about it. If you have a suggestion for a hotel you want to hear about, send me a DM and I'll look into it. So, I'm still waiting on my books for the Chelsea Hotel to arrive, and I promise you don't want me to make a podcast based on my memory of something I read seven or eight years ago. In the meantime, I'll be posting episodes about other stuff. I promise it will be worth the wait. Um, So, today's episode is about the Hotel Finial, which used to be called the Victoria Inn, and it's located in Anniston, Alabama. You probably have never heard of Anniston, Alabama, but if you're into true crime, you might know of Audrey Marie Hilly, one of the most famous Black Widow killers. She's from there. Um, Anniston is really near Talladega, and if you've seen the movie Talladega Nights, I'm sorry, Talladega Nights, then you have seen some of Aniston. I have quite the list of sources for today's episode, but the primary source is me. I'm talking about a place I've been to many times and lived near. I'm fairly sure I can be trusted for the information in this episode. The rest of my sources are the hotel's website, hotelfinial.com, a website for finding haunted places to stay when you travel called hauntedrooms.com, the local newspaper's website, which is anistonstar.com, Wikipedia, Atlas Obscura, AL.com, which is a website for Alabama news, TripAdvisor, GhostStoriesWorld.com, Trip101.com, and lastly, I found a post on a blog called ParanormalStories.blogspot.com that I will mention at the end of the episode. There are some interesting comments made on that post that claim to be from a former owner, but I'll let you decide what to believe. Anniston, Alabama is sort of my hometown. I lived there for most of my formative years. It's an area with a lot of history, but unfortunately there are a lot of drug and economical problems in the area. So these days it's not that nice of a place to live anymore. 
the historic district in downtown isn't being well taken care of and people are moving out of the area and into bigger cities and more suburban areas where there are better jobs and schools. I think it has potential to be a lot better than it is. I have good memories from there and I have loved ones who still live there and I can only hope that in the future things get better. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with my hometown and with Alabama. When it's in the news, it's almost always for something negative that I feel personally ashamed of, but the state itself is beautiful in many areas. I learned to love nature and gardening in Alabama and some of the happiest moments in my life I experienced in nature in Alabama. There's a lot about Alabama that I can do without, but there are many things I do and always will love. So this episode was made with a lot of care and I hope I'm able to convey that. Thanks for listening. The city of Anniston was founded in the 1870s as an industrial community for mining iron out of Cheaha Mountain. William Noble and Samuel Tyler owned the Woodstock Iron Company. If you live in Anniston long enough, you'll come across random things here and there called Woodstock something or other. One of the main streets in downtown is Noble Street, named after William Noble. The name Anniston is after Samuel Tyler's wife, Annie. The name means Annie's town. Both of the city founders now rest in Hillside Cemetery at the top of a hill. I used to live across the street so nearby that William Noble's monument was practically in my front yard. Until 1883, only those who worked for Woodstock Iron Company lived in Anniston, but at this time it became open to the public. People would come and live near mining towns because anywhere people live, there's commerce. People need goods and services, and a new town is the perfect place to establish your own business and put down roots, and many families did just that. The population grew, and in 1917, at the beginning of World War I, the government turned almost 19,000 acres of land into Fort McClellan, primarily an army base, which brought even more families and businesses into the area. During World War II, the Anniston Army Depot opened, which brought in more employment opportunities. Anniston and the surrounding cities and towns flourished, and it was an ever-growing community to live in and raise a family. Unfortunately, the base closed in the late 90s, and that upset the local economy quite a bit. One good thing about the closure is that the undeveloped land the base was on was turned into what is now the Mountain Longleaf National Wildlife Refuge. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> this is in an effort to protect wildlife and plants, particularly the Mountain Longleaf Pine Tree. Right now, the rest of the land is being redeveloped after a long environmental remediation Unfortunately, a lot of people and the land was exposed to radiation and hazardous materials and chemicals while the base was in operation and all of that had to get cleaned up and uh, it took about 11 years. Now, most of it is open and ready to be redeveloped. 
The depot remains open most at mostly as a storage and maintenance facility for weapons and combat vehicles. For a period of time, it was used to incinerate old chemical weapons, but that ended in 2011. Without the active base and depot there, there were less employment opportunities and the local economy still hasn't quite recovered. But hopefully the land that used to belong to the fort will get bought up and bring some jobs to the area. Uh, additionally, there used to be a plant owned by Monsanto in Aniston. The plant used to be called Solutia. You might have heard of this on the news. Uh, it was pumping toxic fumes into the water and air. The chemicals were known to cause cancer and birth defects, and it was a whole thing. In 2002, there was a 60 Minutes expose on it, and after a whole bunch of legal rigmarole, a lot of the residents in the city were financially compensated. Uh, I remember, um, this was right before I, I graduated from high school, and I remember a lot of people getting checks in the mail and talking about what they were going to buy with their Monsanto money. Um, a friend of mine actually <laughs> used to have a band and I'm pretty sure, I think it was called Monsanto, but, uh, he turned, he changed the name to something else. Um, anyhow, Aniston was never exempt from civil rights issues in 1961, a bus of freedom riders, activists that protest segregation were bombed in 1964, Aniston Hardware, a store owned by Miller's Rule was bombed because Miller's rule openly opposed segregation and the KKK. In 1965, a white racist rally was held, and after that, a man named Willie Brewster was shot and killed by Damon Strange, a KKK member who was convicted of the crime. According to census data published in 2010, a little more than half of the population is made up of people of color, but in spite of that, persons of color in the city of Aniston and surrounding areas are treated poorly, and the city is very much still segregated in terms of where people live and spend their time. Meth and opioid addiction is a big problem in Aniston. According to FBI data published in 2016, it is one of the most violent cities in the U.S. Four Alabama cities made that list. The list contains 30 cities, and four of those cities were Alabama cities. Um, so let's go back a little bit in time after uh, all that history lesson that nobody but me wanted. Uh, Aniston was called the model city because of the common sense grid downtown that was, that downtown was built on during the 19th century. The grid keeps traffic from getting too backed up and the layout of the streets keeps people from getting lost. After having lived, visited, and gotten lost all over the U.S. now, I can honestly say that the grid is my favorite thing about the city of Aniston. The buildings downtown were built in a slowly disappearing Art Deco style. It's really hard to find original Art Deco art and architecture in some areas because when it went out of fashion, it went way out of fashion. And a lot of the art and architecture in Art Deco style was destroyed. Several years ago, some people tried to restore it and preserve the art and architecture that remains but unfortunately, the budget just isn't there. 
somebody with a loud vehicle drove down my road. Okay, um, lost my place, I lost my place again. (sighs) The budget just wasn't there. If you are ever in Anniston, please visit the Historic District, the Peerless, Classic on Noble, the Rabbit Hutch, all good places to visit. The Spirit of Anniston Main Street Program is a nonprofit that raises money to preserve and restore downtown. I used to belong to a theater company, and every year at Christmas, the Spirit of Anniston got us to go around caroling every weekend at all the downtown businesses to bring people to downtown, and it was so fun, and it was one of my favorite memories. Uh, Another of my favorite memories is the biggest chair in the United States. Actually, I'm sorry, the biggest office chair in the United States, which is located in downtown Anniston. It used to be the world's largest chair, but it no longer holds that record. The biggest chair is now in Spain, but the one in Anniston is still the biggest office chair in the U.S. It used to be pink, but it's now brown and hosts an ad for a furniture store. If you want, you can look it up online. There are a lot of pictures, especially on Atlas Obscura. When I was little... (laughs) When I was little, my daughter used to drive past it on the way to Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie is now closed, and I asked him whose chair it was. He told me the chair belonged to the Jolly Green Giant. And when we got inside the Winn-Dixie, there used to be these big illustrations of fruits and vegetables on the wall. And he told me that those were for the Jolly Green Giant, too. I didn't know... (laughs) I was little. I didn't know that the Jolly Green Giant was just a guy on the commercial for Green Giant Veggies. I thought that he was the giant and Jack and the Beanstalk. And for many years, longer than I should have, I believed that the big chair was a like the city's tribute to uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. And it was like a statue for the for the Jack and the Beanstalk giant. I don't know where I had that idea, but that was what I thought that the statue was. Now you probably know a lot more than you ever wanted to about Aniston. Uh, After this break, we will get into the hotel and its history, and maybe we will meet a ghost or two. suburbs near downtown, you can drive around and see homes built in the very early 1910s through the 1930s in a miniature imitation of a plantation style and Victorian style home. They're mixed in between the more modern homes, but they are there. So if you think about what Scarlett O'Hara's house looked like with the big porch and columns out front, you can see a miniature version of something like that in the hilly suburbs outside downtown Anniston. Located on Quintard Avenue, just a stone's throw away from the shops downtown, is a much older building in true Victorian style. It is now called the Hotel Finial, but it used to be called the Victoria Inn. It is on the National Register of Historic Places. The original main house was built in 1888 for Colonel John McElroy and his family. 
In the main house, there was a large ballroom used for hosting formal parties. There was a large barn for the owner's horses and carriages. There was a cottage behind the mansion, and today the cottage is available for visitors. If you visit the hotel today, you can stay in a suite named after the first family to own the home called the McElroy Suite. After the death of the colonel in 1891, his wife stayed in the home until in 1920 when the home was sold to a Mr. William Coleman Wilson. There is a Wilson suite named after him. The Wilson family lived there until 1949, and then the property was owned by Frank and Robbie Kirby, who owned it until the 1980s. Yes, there is also a Kirby suite. Then a developer bought it and turned it into a hotel that was named the Victoria Inn. The Victoria changed hands. Oh, I lost my place. Okay, the Victoria changed hands several times and was eventually foreclosed on and donated to the Jacksonville State University. Eventually, the Anniston City Council bought it back from JSU to preserve it, and now it is owned by an Alabama senator, Del Marsh, and his wife, Ginger. The name was changed, and now it is known as the Hotel Finial. If you don't know what a finial is, I will tell you a finial is a decorative flirt. I keep losing my place. I'm so sorry. A finial is a decorative flourish or a little extra something. In architecture, it's usually a decorative piece on top of a dome or a tower to emphasize height and also just to look pretty. In home decor, a finial can be an object at the end of a curtain rod or a lampshade. It can be the little pulley thing on a ceiling fan, whatever. It's a little little decorative thing, a cutie pie. The hotel has 61 guest rooms and four in the main house. There is a restaurant open for weekend brunch and a bar located separate from the main house. Spencer's Bar used to be um, called the Carriage House. Um, it is in the Carriage House, and it's open nightly. When it was called the Victoria Inn, the bar used to be called the Carriage House, but now it is called Spencer's Bar. I hope that's not too confusing. Uh, little to none of the Victorian pieces in the hotel are in use now. When it was when it was called the Victoria Inn, um, it it did have a lot of Victorian pieces that were still used in the main house, but those have been put away. One website called hauntedrooms.com reports that there is a clawfoot tub in one of the suites, but that's, it's all gone now. Um, the hauntedrooms.com is a little outdated. If you have been looking at that in order to find haunted places to stay in, then you, it's totally different now, the Hotel Finial. The renovation modernized the hotel, even though the outside still looks old-fashioned and a lot, a lot of the decor and amenities inside are all new. The Aniston Star website has an article which contains a picture slideshow of before and after photos. The change is really astonishing. Uh, you can also find some pictures on AL.com. The walls used to be really dark and the wood was all dark, but now it's lightened up. The wood is light, lightened. Um, the upholstery, there's like upholstery on the chairs that's much lighter. The rugs is just totally, totally different. 
the decor was updated to combine the Victoria style, Victorian style with more modern elements. Every so often, celebrities do come into town. Right now, there's a movie being made in Anniston and in the nearby area. Usually, when sports or movie people are in town, they do stay at the Hotel Fenial since it's one of the nicest places to stay in the area. The other hotels are Holiday Inn-level type hotels and budget motels. The nicer chain hotels are closer to Birmingham, so if you want a nice, clean hotel with good food... You're going to have to stay in a boutique hotel or at a B&B. I stayed there before and after the renovation and actually visited several times when it was called the Victoria because my grandmother worked there in the laundry room. When I was little, my aunt used to take me there to bring lunch and visit my granny when she was working. Sometimes I would go up to the rooms with her to help make beds or put out fresh towels. I have many fond memories of helping to fold the laundry and just talking with my granny. The smell of bleached linens and downy fabric softener reminds me of her and the times I would visit her at work. One time, I remember her holding up a bunch of sheets that had red wine stains all over them, and she said, well, I don't know how I'm going to get this out, but I'm sure going to try. And my aunt said, what in the world happened? And my granny just goes, a wedding. Sure enough, by the time we left, those stains were gone. Many years later, I came to visit my family, and my husband and I stayed in the Victoria before the renovation. It was in 2009 or 2010, and we stayed in one of the rooms across from the main house. The decor was old, and the amenities and fixtures were dated, but I remember enjoying my stay. Last year, in 2018, in July, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary with a vow renewal at the Hotel Fenial. We stayed in the Grand Ballroom Suite, which is probably one of my favorite of all the rooms in the main house. After this break, I will tell you about each suite and the ghosts people claim haunt the finial. Welcome back. Now that I've told you all about the history of the city and the hotel, let's talk about what the hotel today is like. I'll start with the McElroy Suite. The McElroy Suite, named after the first owner of the home, is located on the second floor of the main house. The room is decorated in gold and off-white. The tall windows let in a lot of beautiful natural light. The wood in the floor and original fireplace add warmth and comfort so the room looks cozy but chic. The bathroom is tiled with gilded accents. The Wilson Suite was named after the home's second owners and is located on the second floor in the main house. It's decorated in teal and gold. The walls are a beautiful teal or a light turquoise shade. The decor is much more modern than in the McElroy suite with some cool art deco elements including a mirrored dresser, huge windows let in natural light, and the wood floor has a cozy looking rug matching the mirrored dresser. This room also has an original fireplace. The bathroom looks pretty standard for a hotel. The Kirby Suite, named after the third owners of the home, is located on the second floor also. The decor is a little more fun than the other two rooms, but is still clean and modern. 
The fireplace was updated and there are a lot more shiny surfaces rather than soft wood. It's decorated in a light plum and teal. The bathroom is pretty average. The grand ballroom suite is on the top floor. The room includes a living area, dining area, a Murphy bed, and a regular bedroom, two bathrooms, and a little corner area inside the turret with a desk that looks out over the town. Inside is a chandelier. At Christmas, they put a Santa Claus up there so it can look out the window and you can see it from the street. The decor is really clean, but in fun colors of teal, gray, and plum with silver and gold accents. The walls are gray and the and teal. The lighting is soft and feels airy, but still cozy. The rugs and throw blankets are plush and fuzzy. That was the room I stayed in for my vow renewal, and I can personally say that the bathrooms were really nice and the bed was perfectly comfortable. Even though I drank and danced way too much that night, I woke up with no hangover and felt incredible the next morning. Next to the main house is the cottage. The cottage is available for guests, and when you reserve that, you reserve the whole cottage to yourself. The decor is a little more masculine. There's a mounted deer head on the cobalt blue wall of the sitting area and a skin rug on the dark wooden floor. One of the couches is tufted brown leather and the other is a soft gray fabric. The bedroom has furry pillows and blankets and the wood in there is more of a red blonde color. The bathroom is decorated in two-tone wood and has a jet tub and a shower but is otherwise a standard hotel bathroom. The rest of the single rooms are located across from the main house in an annex that was built when the home was owned by the developer that turned it into a, who turned it into a hotel. Those rooms are carpeted and decorated nicely in a soft blue and gray, but are fairly standard for a hotel room considering the other options that are available in the area. They are nice rooms and well worth the money. When the hotel was called the Victoria, it had notoriously bad food. Almost everyone I know that ever had a wedding or event there said that the food was disgusting. My granny once told me a story about a wedding that was ruined because everyone had food poisoning and before the reception was over, people were already getting sick. But that is no longer the case with the finial, and that might even be part of the reason why the name was changed. The food is really good now. If you like southern food, you will probably enjoy the food at the finial, especially the shrimp and grits. Almost all the online reviews I've seen have been positive across all the websites that I've looked at. Hotels.com, TripAdvisor, Travelocity, etc. I have hardly found any reviews online that mentioned it being haunted, but I did find one on TripAdvisor. Um... Let me get to it. Here it is. This um, this review was written by Manny, no, Ma Man I Love Oreos. I thought it said Manny Love Oreos. Man I Love Oreos. And it was written on April 2017. Um, the review is titled Awesome. I'm going to skip some of the stuff and just go right to the haunted part of this review that says on the ghostly side our room was pretty quiet but the spirits were really curious about me and what I was doing they like to watch and see what you're gonna do they definitely learn your name and use that I was waking up to sun I was woken up what 
sorry, I was woken up Sunday morning to someone yelling my name. Totally awesome place and so cool to investigate. I totally recommend it. That is one review that mentions this place being haunted. Um, so take that for what it is. The reported paranormal activity is that the staff and guests have felt a presence of a ghost or spirit. The piano in the music room plays by itself or that people hear music at weird times. The restaurant in the hotel is said to be the most haunted. Staff has said that things get moved and they hear footsteps mostly in the dining area, but guests and staff say that you can hear footsteps all over the house. Some people claim to have seen a lady in black or just a female apparition on the upstairs landing under the big stained glass window. In the bar, the staff has said that they hear glasses moving and clinking even when no one is touching them. Some people have also said they've heard laughter in the bar when no one else is there. In the guest rooms, um, very light tapping on the doors is reported and some people have seen flashes of light and felt cold spots. To me, this sounds like somebody is still partying and having a good time and is nothing scary or malicious. Um, as far as I can tell, there is nothing too crazy going on here, but I found a blog that's called Ghost Stories. The blog is paranormalstories.blogspot.com, and this is a post from September of 2010. Um, some of this stuff, I don't know how the author found this out, and some of it contradicts some of the things that I found on a bunch of other websites. Um, I'm just going to read you this blog and you can decide what you think. It says, in 1887, John McElroy was a partner in the Anniston Land Company, Confederate veteran, state school superintendent, and a candidate for governor twice. He chose the highest hill on Quintard Avenue to build his home. The Mm, I, I wouldn't. I, okay. The Victoria was built in 1888. McElroy died in 1894, and his widow continued to occupy the home. That is until William, her son and mayor of Aniston, uh, mayor of Aniston, moved her out while she was on vacation in Florida. He died six months later. The McElroy family occupied the home for 25 years. That's different from what I found. Um, I had actually seen something that said that William left to move to Florida and that the, um, and that his mother actually sold the home, but okay. Um, just some, okay, yeah, see, she contradicts herself again, this um, blog author. In 1920, um, the widow sold, no, wait, wait, who, oh, all right, well, this says that, the son's widow, so the daughter-in-law, sold the house at public au auction to William Coleman Wilson. 
Wilson was the president of the Emory Foundry Company. The business produced Aniston's most prominent product, cast iron pipe. Okay. The Wilsons occupied the residence until 1949. Frank and Robbie Kirby became the third owners and the last full-time residents. Mr. Kirby was the founder and president of Aniston Electric Company. Mrs. Kirby was a leading musician in the community and entertained guests in what is now known as the Victoria Lounge. After their deaths, the Kirby estate went into a trust for their sisters, the Methodist Church, and the Children's Methodist Home. A realtor contacted them with a creative idea, which was to turn the mansion into a country inn. They loved the idea and sold the estate to a South Carolina developer in 1984. Aniston architect Julian Jenkins and contractor Erlen McWhorter designed and restored the southern home. That all looks legit because that's all stuff I had already looked at before. The McElroy guest room is the most Victorian of the main house's bedrooms. That's no longer the case since the um, the restoration, but this blog was written back in 2010. It features antiques from the 1890s when Aniston was a boom town. An iron mantle made in one of Aniston's foundries and a jet, jetted clawfoot tub. The Wilson suite is the largest of the bedrooms within the main house. It features the middle portion of the streets, the three-story turret and a half canopy bed as well as an iron mantle painted to look like marble. Again, that's no longer the case since the restoration. The Kirby Suite displays the chintz and colors popular again today and includes a modernized bath and closet once used as a dollhouse for visiting nieces. The restoration for Alabama's first country inn took approximately two years because Aniston needed hotel rooms. The annex additions to the main house were, create, were created Oh my gosh, this is so hard to read. We're creating 26 rooms in 1986 and 18 in 1988. In 1996, McWhorter completed the final phase of the Victoria with an addition of 12 guest rooms. The Victoria has 60 rooms and a fine dining restaurant, which can seat up to 100 people. Again, a bunch of this information is different now because of the restoration that was done. And the renovations that were made um, since uh, Dale and Ginger Marsh own it now. In January 2009, McWhorter donated the Victoria to um, Jacksonville State University Foundation. The foundation has contracted with the Jackson Hospitality Services to manage the hotel. Future plans include the hotel and restaurant as a teaching facility for JSU students going into the hospitality field. That is no longer the case now that it is owned by the Marshes. Uh, the restaurant and hotel is believed to be haunted by at least one spirit. Footsteps are heard coming from spots in the house when no one is around. Music emanates from the piano lounge when no one is in the room. The piano has even been seen playing on its own. Witnesses have reported seeing a female apparition on the upstairs landing. The sound of glasses clinking together has been heard behind the bar by staff and a few guests. That's all stuff I had seen before on other websites. No one knows for certain who the spirit or spirits are haunting the property. However, the Victoria is good for a little fine dining, good entertainment, and maybe a ghost or two. Oh, that concludes the post. There are no sources cited, so we don't know where the blog author got this information. So, there are a few interesting 
comments on this post. And that's the reason why I read the post. An anonymous poster says, The ghost stories are BS made up by then-manager Jean Ann Oglesby. I believe Jean Ann actually was... Um, was the manager during the McWhorter uh, time when the McWhorters owned it. Um, Another anonymous person said, I'm staying here tonight. It's a nice place to stay, but I haven't had any ghost experiences yet, and I travel all over looking for paranormal activity. This is the first place I've stayed that doesn't give me any kind of ghostly feeling. I sure hope I didn't pay $150 for nothing. That's false advertisement. Someone named J.A. commented and said, (laughs) Ask any night audit clerk who has worked at the Victoria and they will confirm the above. Also, the Campbells of Georgia about, about their wedding and look at their pictures. That's not... Okay, I was confused by the wording of that. Uh, the Wilson of California family bought brought me pictures and taught of Mrs. Wilson, who must be the lady in black. I am Jean Ann. I may have embellished the occurrences, but these are not BS anonymous. Thank you. <laughs> Another anonymous person posted a link to a picture that is now not a good link. It doesn't go to anything. It says, say what you want. We have some crazy stuff in our room here last night. Tapping noises, flashing lights, phones cutting off. Room was icy cold at one point. We took a picture in the area and you could feel something. I saw a shadow on the photo right away. It wasn't until later when I zoomed in on my phone that you could see what appears to be a picture of a couple. Literally posing for a photo. I uploaded the photo on my computer and changed the contrast to see if the image was more clear. And sure enough, if you look to the left of the shadow, you can clearly see the image of a couple. Crazy. And that is that. That is the, um, that is the Victoria slash Hotel Finial. Um, and that is the hauntings and the history and all that good stuff. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know it was really history heavy in the beginning, but I thought it would be good to just add a little bit of context, um, to the, the hotel, a little bit of context to what it is to live in a small town in Alabama. I think that a lot of small towns in the U.S. are pretty similar where maybe there was a boom at some point, maybe an industrial boom from mining or maybe because it used to be a military town and then those industries went away and now all that's left of the area is the few families that were able to make a living from doing other things. Like maybe they owned a grocery store. Maybe they owned a prominent business or company in the area. And, you know, that's really all the economy of the town. Um, hopefully, Aniston can recover from 
the, uh, the things that it's going through right now. Next, um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to cover because it depends on when I am able to finish my research on the Chelsea Hotel. If I cannot get my books in time to complete research within the next few days or so, then I will find something else to make an episode about. So definitely send me some DMs, send me suggestions of things that you would like to hear about because um, I'm just going to keep on finding hotels that I care about and that I like and doing research on those. And um, you guys might get bored if you're not hearing about stuff that you want to hear about. So send me Send me your suggestions. You can find me at Jordan Once Wrote on Instagram and on Twitter. You can send me DMs on there. I do not have a social media set up that's only for this podcast. Um, I will do that eventually, but I just haven't done it yet. And I'm too busy to do it right now. But it will happen at some point. Thank you for listening. Please recommend this to a friend. Please give me five stars on whatever you are listening on. If you don't like this podcast, please don't leave me any reviews because I don't care. And um, I don't, it doesn't help anybody for you to be rude. I really, I can't be bothered. And I don't think anybody else would like to be bothered either. So, but anyhow, (laughs) Thank you if you are a five-star review listener. Thank you so much. Um, That is all for this week, and that is all for today, and that is all for right now, and goodbye. Thank you for listening to Heinous Hotels. This podcast is brought to you by me, Jordan Rollins Duncan, and Anchor.fm. For more heinous hotels, you can follow me on Twitter. If you have a listener story or suggestion, you can send me a DM, or you can email me at heinoushotels at gmail.com. Now don't forget to check under the bed and have a safe trip home. Check in again soon with Heinous Hotels.